0: Today, we are here with Stephen.
1: Hello, everybody. Thrilled to be back for yet another episode of Creating Chaos podcast where I just spill things everywhere and calamity ensues.
0: And Bradley.
2: Hello, hello. Nice to speak to you both again. Thanks for having me.
0: We're well, so excited to have you back. So, for any new listeners that have not listened to our past episodes, Why don't you introduce yourself and your house?
2: Sure thing. So I'm Bradley um, at Brad Bakes or Bradley Bakes on YouTube. I am uh, based in London and I am a foodie creator within the wizarding world. Um, Gryffindor at heart, even though friends say I I carry characteristics of of many different houses.
1: Danny always neglects this when she brings up past episodes, so I'll gladly say it. If this is your first time hearing Bradley's lovely voice, um, don't do it now because you're about to listen to a great episode. But once this episode is concluded, why don't you go back? If you haven't subscribed to Creating Magic Podcast on your favorite podcast platform, please do so. And then listen to the full catalog of episodes, including one of our original episodes that we did. It had to be more than a year ago at this point. Um, with with Bradley. So I guess not much has changed in a year, right? Everything is constant, right? The world's been great, <laughs> nothing's been bad. Uh, how have you been over the past year?
2: Yeah, I feel like we're probably in the, in the same same position that we were last time we spoke. Um, the world has been slowly changing outside, but everything's the same in here. Uh, but no, good. I think it's been yeah, 2020 was a, a long year for us all um, and a difficult one, but been pleased to to have our, our little community to to keep me sane through those trying times.
0: Yeah, I just looked it up. So your episode aired February 20th of last year. So it was right before yeah. everything happened.
2: No, that's right. Cause I think we were just after we were talking about like potential trips to, to the Whistling world and, and flying over and then it was like no travel, none at all, I'll but we'll get, get there old. one day.
0: <laughs> we, we will definitely get to each other's side of the world hopefully sooner rather than later.
1: So I just want to dive in because this is a question I have every single time I see one of your Instagram posts or I watch one of your videos, which is, as you said, you are a culinary content creator. You you produce some really, really fun recipes and and creations across your social media. How do you still have teeth? Because if I were to eat all of the things that you've made, I feel like a my I don't. There's no such thing as a sugar doctor. Whatever doctor monitors my glucose levels would be like, hey, you probably should calm down a little bit. And my dentist would be like, you, you really should, uh, you should stop. So that's the first question. Is welcome back. So thrilled to have you. How do you still have teeth? <laughs> all good things
2: in moderation, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's it's quite difficult because usually I create whatever the recipe is. If it's something that I can eat straight away, then then probably will. Or would kind of take it into work or, or give it to, to friends. Obviously with the pandemic and quarantine, that's all been stocked up in, in my freezer. So I think I'm still working my way through some of the cakes that we made in the, the Chamber of Secrets. But it's all part of the fun.
1: You know, we spoke a lot last time about how you got originally into the world of, of cooking and, and your, your family influence and how that you know fast forward led into this content creation. One of the things that I don't remember if we touched on or not. And so if we did, you know, deja vu, if we didn't, well, good for me, um, is, you know, I, I think over the course of this pandemic, a lot of people have turned to social media as an outlet to pursue a passion project. Um, certainly this is a thing you were doing pre-pandemic. Um, who would be some of your influences in terms of other content creators out there that have inspired you or pushed you to innovate and, and continue to, to push you to innovate uh, on your page?
2: Yeah, definitely. It's a great question. I think, for me, I'm always looking for people, other other content creators who are thinking outside the box. And I think, particularly as we're now on well over 100, right? It's, it's kind of, what new and exciting ways can I... Do so that toast isn't the same toast that you saw in the previous two books. Um, so yeah, I love looking at, at creators who are doing something different. um Nick, who's at Practical Peculiarities uh, on Instagram and on TikTok, um, is super super cool. So some of the the things he does with food is really inspiring. He's kind of coming at it from a art kind of passion um but food is just just the medium so seeing some of the stuff that that he's able to do with that um definitely has helped me uh look at some of my my techniques as well um and then youtube wise um i love yolanda at how to kick that um again choose someone who, who loves that larger than life approach um and being able to take whether it's an ingredient or um a general theme or a holiday and then turn it into something that that you know your jaw drops when you see it um that's kind of made me think about how I can can take my, my recipes one step higher.
1: You know, it's a shame that you're already in the My Harry Potter Kitchen series into Azkaban because, and I hate myself for saying this now, I'm so sorry, um, but if we were still in chamber, you could do a pretty nice death day party cake right now, and you could just use like Prince Philip's face, right? And and my sympathies to his Royal highness and... and all those who are mourning his loss um but he already kind of looked like he belonged at a death day party and so it would be just like a little perfect confluence right like you started out with the uh you know bake the election or whatever it was called and this is not an election but it's you know it's it's the united kingdom's so you're a
0: horrible person
2: i am it just <laughs> he's just slowly you know. digging digging his hole
1: you know, you could do some like Grand Mariner frosting or something to kind of get like that grayish blue tint he had in his skin. It'd be, it'd be great. It'd be great. I'm gonna go on mute now. Danny, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about.
0: <laughs> so you are now in *Prisoner of Azkaban*. Um,
1: the book, obviously. Should we explain the concept? Uh, we know what it is, certainly, and I would assume most of our listeners do. But for those who don't, um, Bradley, what? is my Harry Potter kitchen. What are you What are you doing with this lovely series?
2: So it is currently a an epic saga that's been going on for almost three years. Um, well, I am baking my way through the Wizarding World books. So we started with Philosopher's Stone. Um, every time that I find an item of food and drink featured inside the book, uh, I take that as inspiration to create a, a recipe based on either the characters, some of the themes of what's happening in the story or, or what's coming up next. Um, so yeah, we're in prison of Azkaban now well over 100 recipes um but oh, we have still got a, a long way to go
0: well you seem if you're on book three in about year three you're doing pretty well <laughs> but also you're about to approach the largest book of the
2: series <laughs> indeed yeah that's going to be the the turning point and I, I haven't read well i've read it originally but i haven't read it in the, looking for food so um i don't know how many items are going to come up in the goblet of fire um, but I, I'd imagine it will, will probably be our longest, the longest one.
1: There's, there's that one scene that comes to mind where Ron doesn't know what the hell, uh, Boya base is, I believe, or one of them doesn't, I feel like it's Ron. I I'm pretty sure it is. It could be someone else, but he feels like the natural, the natural dolt for that. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, you could do, I'm just giving you free ideas here because these aren't actually in the books, but for doing some inspiration-based stuff, you could do some like fire cocktails for when Dermstrang enters. And despite being from like, you know, Siberia, they have fire. Um, you could do, well, I'm out of ideas. I ran out of steam really quick there. Um, but there's I'll take one. i notes anyway. <laughs> there's one, you're welcome.
0: What I like about when you do these creations, we talked about this a little last time, is that you don't just go for the obvious choice. Like right now I'm looking specifically at your tea biscuit that's shaped like a teacup with the grim in it, and I absolutely love it. Do you find trying to think out of the box and not doing what is the obvious choice to be difficult, or do you just kind of lean into that and enjoy that
2: creativity yeah definitely I think that that's part of the, the challenge and what makes it so exciting for me I think as I'm reading it and I see it the first time I note it down and there's like you mentioned those kind of low-hanging fruit ideas that, that you see um and then either as I'm fleshing out that recipe or maybe as I've already started baking I'm like is this what I is this as magical as it could be is there something else I could do so that that's what I like getting out of it is kind of having to constantly think about how I can evolve whatever I'm creating. Um, there are some things where that comes really quickly um, and there are other bits where I have to, I have to do a lot of thinking to, to come up with it. Um so, yeah, it's, it's, it's all part of the film.
0: Have there been situations where you've started one and then came up with a better idea and just scrapped it or do you just push through?
2: Oh, absolutely. All the time. <laughs> I'll either be, be making something and I'm like, um particularly so for, for the third book um I think if you look up at, the, at the old videos some of them um well you might not see from your side but I definitely see when I rewatch them that some of them were a bit a bit rushed or I feel like they weren't as magical as they could have been um so now that I have my kind of official Bradley Bakes logo um I will say to myself as I'm making something like would I be proud enough to put my stamp of approval on this and, and show it to people and if like I'm making something and the answer is no um then I Either say, "Oh, can I take these ingredients, and make something else, or scrap it and, and go back to the drawing board?" So, there's been a few. Um, some of them, it looks really random. And I'm like, "This is actually quite funny," so I'm going to carry on doing it. Um, but others, if I if I don't think it's 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 good enough to to say I made it, then then I wipe it out.
1: So you have that benefit of no matter the end product, there's nothing inherently. Uh, wrong isn't the right word, but I'll say wrong with sharing any of your creations under the Bradley Bakes you know, brand with anyone in your life. Right. Certainly you might be more proud or less proud of some versus others. Whereas certainly I have that kind of inner monologue with the podcasting. like, Hmm, is this really something I want to slap my name to? Like, did I really give an A plus effort here? And there are times where I'll of people at work who say like, Oh, like you always talk about this podcast stuff. Like, do you want to share a link? And at first I'm like, sure. And then I remember some of the things that I've said on here. (laughs) Well, I don't know if this is actually something I want my name attached to. And more specifically, you knowing my name is attached to. Um, So that's always like, you know, food you you can never really go wrong with.
0: Yeah. My team leader is an active listener. And like, she'll be like, oh, hey, I'm listening to today's episode. I'm like, did I say something I shouldn't have? Thankfully, it's usually Steven saying things he shouldn't have.
1: Yeah. So. It's not that I shouldn't have said it. I have Look, I, I own 100% of the things that I say, right? I made fun of a dead man about 10 minutes ago on this podcast. All I'm saying is there are definitely some audiences that don't need to hear some of the stuff that I say. Agreed. Oh, geez. Um, Bradley, one question I have for you, because I've certainly been feeling this myself, has been... And I think you kind of hinted at it in calling this a saga rather than any other word is how do you maintain the invigoration and motivation to continue on with the series, right? Because certainly you have presumably a lot more interests beyond the wizarding world and you have a life and you have friends and loved ones and I, this is time consuming, right? You certainly don't book these up in 10 minutes and then put out a video and it's done, right? So how, especially over the course of this pandemic, where I think the walls of our world have really been narrowed in on us, how do you push through?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I wish I wish it could be done in 10 minutes. That would be true magic. Um, yeah, it is, it is a big investment. And I'm one of those people that I need to have like motivation and a reason to do something in order to put my like, 100% into it. So I think last year was difficult, um, particularly within like, the pot community um with the whole transphobia jkr situation um that's where i started to kind of lose that motivation um because i think it's, it's like super cool that it's a, a pet project for me to bring out that creativity but if it, if it's part of something that, that was starting to become a little toxic then that that dropped it for me so I I think I've spoken about it on my Instagram but um there was a point where I was like I, I don't have the passion to do this anymore should I continue doing it um and I think having the ability to turn it into something positive, um, and, and now being able to, to donate to, to many, to so many causes from the series, um, that's kind of reinvigorated that fire for me and and made it something that I can get behind because now I'm not just creating for the sake of creating, I'm putting something out there that, that, you know, could, could potentially save save lives. So for me, it's been about still being able to, to create and still being able to contribute to the magic. Um, but doing it in a in a way that that helps and supports people.
1: Yeah, I know that the Patronus Fund is a really incredible kind of byproduct that's come out of your work over the past year or two. Do you want to talk a little bit free free plug for a the Patronus Fund, but of course, your most recent beneficiary, AKT.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, over over the kind of the last year and a bit, um, I got accepted into the the YouTube partner program which is where we can now start making ad revenue on on the videos um, and again it, it was one of those opportunities where i said well especially at the moment it's it, it comes through in in smaller payments but um if it, if it doesn't make as much of a difference to, to me personally i thought it could still make a massive change for for a charity um, and particularly trans charities who at the moment don't always get as much spotlight as, as some of the other and um, larger organizations that have big marketing budgets so um I decided to to donate all of the ad revenue that we we generate to to charities and put the ability to nominate those charities um, in the hands of of the viewers. So um, if you've got a favorite trans charity or LGBTQ charity, um, you can go onto my blog and nominate them. And then every time we get that ad revenue check, um, I go through that list and uh, choose one to to, to receive that donation. Um, So just last week, we had AKT, who are the um, youth homelessness charity for LGBT, LGBTQ youth. Um, they they focus both on, on those who are already in hostile environments and, or on the street, but also those who might be living at home and in, in danger of becoming homeless. So I think particularly as that's something that disproportionately affects um, LGBTQ individuals, it, it, it's really, really beneficial, particularly at this time when we're seeing so much hostility um, in the media to make sure people have a safe home to go to, I think is really important.
1: I'm curious... As someone who is British and lives in the UK, what, what has been the reaction, I guess, both in the press and then just in culture and community over the past year to a lot of JKR's commentary? Because certainly, similarly to how the entire series as a whole back during its run was received differently in the US and you know the media environment of the US, I'm curious what it was like in the UK for you yeah definitely it,
2: it it's been a bit of a, a mixed bag which i think is is what we're seeing um, in in many countries and within the community itself um you have i think when when she first made some very very public comments that i'm sure she was aware could be jam- damaging but the the community definitely said were damaging um there was a a vibe of, of obviously wanting to, to bring light to the issue and, and the impact that it was having on on trans people. Um, but I think when it when it first started, it was more of a, oh, maybe, maybe she didn't understand or, or maybe she's misinterpreting. So it was kind of a bit more of a, a discussion at that point. But I think when she began to double down on some of those comments, that's when it became a lot more kind of toxic. Um, and I think then you had people becoming a lot more outspoken and, and explaining why that was wrong and how it was so damaging. Um, but unfortunately, you did have other people on the other side of the debate where it was like, oh, no, she, it's free speech. She has a right to, to say that. And I think that's where it's always difficult. And that's where um, where I don't always understand that perspective, because, yes, we have the, the right to, to say things, but we also have the right to, to not purposefully offend people. And um, I, I think even if she had those beliefs, being as influential as she is, she will have known the impact that could have had. Um, and it's worrying I think we're now starting to see you know politicians and organizations quote the false information that she was putting out because she is such an influential writer and um, and that's where you know that 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 damage extends into to health and legislation and um, the British government have been supposedly looking at uh, uh, updating the gender recognition act for for many years Um, but because of this whole kind of discussion and and this almost social media debate that was happening about trans lives um there's been delays to to some of those improvements that we were supposed to see so um it it is it is difficult i think it was it's it hurts more when it's someone that you previously looked up to um, who is say who is driving some of that um but i think as long as we can can start to drive that in in the right direction and 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 support those people who are affected then um Hopefully things will change.
1: Yeah, that, that's fascinating insight to me because certainly her comments were picked up in the media here, and and there was a bit of a media firestorm, and there continues to be anytime I think rightfully so. Like for instance, a lot of articles now that are talking about Warner Media possibly developing new series always have the caveat of one of the considerations is JKR's public stances, which, as they should. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I, I think your 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 comments there about how some of the rhetoric that she's used and cited has been picked up now in the political realms fascinates me because um, I haven't noticed that to be true here in the U.S., although the flip side of that coin is, unfortunately, we've had a lot of transphobic rhetoric in our politics far longer, far beyond the past year or so. I mean, I grew up in North Carolina. My home state was the, the shameful author of House Bill 2, the bathroom bill, so-called bathroom bill um so that's fascinating um i don't really have too much of a comment there other than yeah that, that see that's one of the differences i suppose is she is native to the uk therefore her comments probably have a lot heavier weight in that realm unfortunately yeah
2: um yeah definitely and i, I think what what i feel like is missing in in this whole thing as well is that she is a very influential cis white woman who has um, being given a, additional platforms to say this um and in any of the discussions whether it's on 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 news interviews or on um on you know panel discussions the amount of actual trans voices that are are represented there um either always needs to have that opposing view um and when you know we're not giving them the platforms to, to just discuss the struggles that they're going through so you know that's that's why I think it, it's still being so prolonged is because it's still being positioned as a debate. And it's always been positioned as, Oh, we need to have a, a counter argument to why trans people deserve, deserve basic access to healthcare. And, and and that shouldn't be the case.
1: Pivoting a little bit, but still along a similar vein, one of the things I've noticed over the past year or so, and by no means do I want our podcast to take credit for this? Cause this, I, I know that in my you know, heart of heart is not true is the community that you are building has grown, certainly. And, and one of the things specifically I've noticed is you are engaging a lot more with fellow friends of the pod, certainly. I I see a lot of people in your in your comments and engaging in your stories and promoting your work that, that we know and we're friends with. I'm curious how, certainly beyond the Patronus Fund, uh, in no way diminishing that because that is a righteous and amazing thing in and of itself, how you've thought about building an inclusive community community particularly through the lens of this past year
2: yeah absolutely i think you know looking back to, to last year and speaking with you you will actually do attribute some of, of, of the growth we've, we've seen with the kitchen to to the podcast i think that was definitely the, the first podcast interview that i'd done on on a series some i've done some written ones before um but i think you know, being able to, to talk about the, the passion behind the project definitely helped. And there's been there's so many people who have found me through, through uh, creating magic that, as you mentioned, have become part of not just the Harry Potter kitchen community, but also who are deemed to be close friends. So that's been been awesome. Um, I What I'm, I'm really enjoying as well as part of, of creating these recipes and, and also now being able to, to donate to these causes is being able to speak to and engage with people who previously I might not have, have, have had that, that opportunity to um and also to be able to shed light on on some issues that are, are very important to other members of the community um which is is where I kind of I'm really excited to be able to offer people the chance to for instance nominate other charities because there may be things that they're aware of that are um under the the trans umbrella but there's obviously so many issues within that space um that it, it, it's super cool to kind of hear those those different different pieces and those different motivations and, and be able to share them um for me one of the things that i've like i definitely want to make sure i continue with and i hope other people do is is being able to use my platform to elevate those voices of, of other people um and i think you know the more diverse voices that we have in our Instagram feeds and on our stories. And then it just, just, just makes the community even richer.
0: Definitely. And then I just, and it's so many of the people that we're friends with have made a point of finding ways to Still enjoy the community that we're in, but do it in a way that is inclusionary and that is including everyone, and also trying to use that platform in a positive way, despite what is being said. We've had people that, um, and this is all everyone's personal decision. Like, we can't tell you how you should engage with the Harry Potter content or how to engage with new content. And I think that's something that's going to come out more. Once we act like we know there's a the next Fantastic Beasts movie's coming out, but I don't know if people have like consciously decided how they're going to engage with it because it's still like in the back of your head. We don't have a release date. We don't know when it's coming.
1: Well, Fantastic Beasts also has the inherent like double whammy of just being a shit series so far. Right, <laughs> <Where>, like <laughs> if it was really good, like if I we- think.
0: Like if like HBO came out with a series. Right.
1: Like there would be a soul reckoning point around Fantastic Beast, around, hey, how do we engage with it as part of J.K.R.'s universe? But yeah. there's kind of the double whammy of there's the social issue and then there's the fact that it's just a terrible series of movies. <laughs> um, so you can kind of, you know, rest blame on one and ignore the other. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. Danny, I'm sorry. I interrupted No,
0: that much, you so. you make a good point. But like there keeps being these rumors of like HBO new content. Right now, still rumors, but based on HBO's history, we could probably get a decent type of content that isn't poorly scripted. Or So I think when that happens, we're all going to have to kind of figure out how we want to engage and how to move forward in that point. I don't think we've had a point where we've really had been forced to make that decision because there's something out there beyond do we buy new merch or epic universe is coming in the future and we're pretty sure there'll be more wizarding world within that space
2: yeah absolutely I think I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said like there is no there's no one way to to be Harry Potter fan and um we it's, it's not our role to, to tell you how to, to to keep that magic alive and I think that's that's something that particularly last summer was the reason I landed on continuing to do the series was because even within the trans community, you know, you had people who were like, Oh, I, I'm now disengaged. And you had trans people who wanted to stay in the community and keep that magic alive. Um, and as you mentioned, I think if, ev- if every person who believed in trans equality was to leave the POTS community and you only had those trans fans re- remaining in the space, then that would be a, a, a fairly toxic environment. Um, where the other other fans might not be be pushing those those issues around diversity and inclusion. So I think, you know, us having the the choice to to remain in this space means we can we can drive the agenda and we can almost reclaim the, the wizarding world and, and make it a better placement.
1: So I have two very unrelated to this topic questions. Um, but they've been on my mind for a while. Uh, the first is how amazing this is kind of a shout out so it's not the creator shout out portion of the episode but it's the shout out in and of itself um because you talk about how in some way shape or form this podcast helped bring you some community um certainly not that I talk with him ever but uh, following Ian's work is dang near inspirational the series three intro that he created looks like something I would find like in Hollywood like in like a like a very real professional, like top, top notch, like, you know, industrial light and magic type intro. Um, so uh, certainly you are not taking credit for that. That's his, but you're the one we're speaking to. So uh, if you want to talk at all about that, and then the second question is do y'all own an inflatable hot tub? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yes. Um, yeah. But the hot tub
2: was a, a Christmas present. I think after the last year it was like need some way to, to de-stress. So um we got we got a hot tub, put it in the garden. It's been great. Um but yeah, in, in terms of the, the kind of the videography and the and the intro for scene three I think this is it's a great example of how like I've been trying to excel and find new ways to do the food element. Um and Ian's been looking at kind of new ways to, to do the videography. So um I think we looked at that like kind of over the Christmas break as well. Um and it's so cool to see that the, the finished res- result as it was. Um I remember like seeing some of the the early iterations and sketches, and you're like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> just gotta have faith, gotta gotta, gotta believe." Um, but it but it's it's super cool and super impressive. So um, yeah, I think that that adds it's definitely added to the, the element of magic to be able to to show the recipes off in in such a cool way.
0: I remember when you dropped the intro, like so many people, it was it was just so cool. Like I don't. I think we're always striving to do better than what we have before. And so something like that, which in like your head, you're like, oh, it's so simple. We're adding an intro that's, but it really like, that's what you're doing and really does bring you even further into that magical world. Um, and I think, especially this year specifically, I know you were the first person I saw do it is that you did the sourdough <laughs> You, were... <laughs> and I had other friends doing it. And I think with what you're doing, more people, because they were home, were cooking, that they were finding new recipes and learning new skills. And I think that has definitely like been something that's been great to watch from your stuff is see other people start trying to recreate things because more people had time because they couldn't go anywhere.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's definitely increased over the last year. And it's something that I, I love to see. It's like people who... Either watch the videos or they've read the recipe and then they they want to give it a go. Um it's awesome to me to for me to be able to see that it is inspiring people, even people who don't conventionally cook, to want to get in the kitchen. Um, but to see the finished results as well and, and have people be proud that they they actually came up with that is, is super cool. So yeah, keep sending your, your photos in uh, I'd love to see them.
0: Yeah, we would love to see those also. I know with Stephen and I, we both know our way around a kitchen generally.
1: I can cook pretty dang well. <laughs> no, I, look, you... look, I'm not don't lump me in with you here. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, whoa. I look. I'm no Bradley over here. I certainly can't bake to save my damn life. And
0: that's where I, I was going with this is that All right. I can bake and Please. Steven can cook. So, like, in the kitchen, our abilities are on opposite sides. So.
1: I made quite a good curry last night for my friends. It was it was a red curry, cod filet, some quinoa beneath it because they're gluten intolerant, so I couldn't use actual rice. Um, yeah, it was like, I know what I'm doing. All right, please.
0: I didn't please. say you didn't.
1: Well, look, anytime you start any sort of dialogue with, you know we can, we can make our way around. It's like, okay, well, you're setting me up for failure here. And
0: no, that's was, not what
1: I signed up for when I signed on as co-host of creating magic podcast. Thank you very much.
0: I was setting you up for to see if Bradley would have a t- recipe that he would like to challenge you in baking oh, and it. me and cooking.
1: Look, because oh, we, geez, we, we so.
0: our skills are in the opposite side. Oh, so geez, thought... I'm going to
1: blow up the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bring it on, bring it on, but that's not good.
2: I think, but if we, if we have our dream dinner party, it just means that we have a very clear spit of who's making the main course and who's doing dessert. So that, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think like what's, what's been nice to see as well is, is people saying, giving feedback that the recipes are are, are accessible for, for them and, and um, being able to see that the steps broken down is, is making them want to, to give things a try. So, so that's been super cool.
1: Um, other than the whole metric thing, your recipes are very accessible, I will say. that That's the only issue I ever have is like, oh, fuck, 300 grams of this? What is a – and like having to do that whole nonsense. Um, <laughs> beyond that, everything about – and that's just, look, my ignorant American coming out. Beyond Beyond my own fatal flaws, you do a very good job of making things as easy to follow as – slow is a weird word to use, but as slow to follow, right? Cause it's, it's not like you're racing through and saying 300 grams of this, 200 grams of that, half a pinch of this, three hours on, two hours. No, it's like, it's, it's very methodical. Um, it's yeah, structured it's, it, that it
0: can be followed.
1: Notice yep. how hard I am trying to steer this away from getting an assignment to bake something. <laughs> oh, I'm already, I'm already plotting. I'm like, what can I, what can I assign you to make?
0: <laughs> so you have been to the wizarding world, correct?
2: I have indeed, yes.
0: And you've been to the studio
2: tour. Indeed, yeah.
0: So how do you, what is your butterbeer ranking, including your creations of butterbeer-inspired items?
2: Oh, tough question. Yeah, we've not actually made the kind of official butterbeer yet. That's that's later on in the prison of Azkaban. Um, but we've done ice creams, milkshakes. frappuccinos are the latest one. Um, I think my favourite from the park is i'm a big fan of the butterbeer ice cream and hot butterbeer it was quite interesting as well and um, even though it was warm when i went i was like well oh, i'm gonna have can i have, you a still try?
0: have to try it
2: exactly um i haven't had this studio one in years but apparently they changed the recipe when they um, released the kind of the new bottled one so or it tastes slightly different mm-hmm. i've heard and um, so i need to give that one a go but i would say i mean i've got i've got to pick myself up here if i'm if i'm honest so i'm gonna say that my my butterbeer ice cream is be a bit less sickly than the one in the parks so i'll put that up there um i'm a massive iced coffee fan so i think that the frappuccino is definitely top of my list then we'll go ice cream then we'll go cold butterbeer from the parks
0: cold or frozen. and then
2: frozen then okay. cold <laughs> <laughs> and then the unknown one from the studios, which I need to try.
0: <laughs> we have issues with the regular, non frozen. Well,
1: the thing is, I certainly appreciate that Butterbeer, despite apparently being flavor approved by, by JPR, is an American creation. Um, and therefore is overly sweet especially to the traditionally less sweet British palate Um, the regular like cold butter beer just like the soda version is anathema it's because it's it's like a butterscotch cream soda but then they just took a bunch of pumps of extra butterscotch and layered it on and there's no hot component or frozen component to try to temper it and it's just ugh God.
0: And it's like, it's not a drink you want to have and then go on rides.
1: No. Yeah. like it, you, you know, after you have something sticky and like, like a, like a toffee or something and your hands are all sticky. Imagine that in your mouth. <laughs> oh, it's not great. It's not. Yeah, great.
0: I think I like the hot butter beer because it isn't so sugary. Yeah. Like I don't even ch- get the frozen anymore. Cause it's just like the sugar is just way too much. And I'm a sugar person.
1: But again, I think the, the benefit that the hot or the frozen have is there's some other thing happening that takes your mind away from the pure sweetness, right? Because yeah. the frozen yeah. will cool you down on a flaming hot, humid Florida day. The super hot is like, oh, it's kind of like a latte. There's no coffee component to it. But and ice cream is just
0: always amazing. Sorry, ice cream
1: what. for breakfast, ice cream for dessert, it doesn't matter. But the, the soda one doesn't relieve the heat distress. It doesn't. Do anything interesting it's just like a semi-flat soda that's missing ice I, look i'm tanking my chances of ever getting a job at universal at this point but i would argue <laughs> 67 episodes of content probably did that um so at this point might as well lean in um yeah that's all i got really there is the soda one is just disgusting
2: so what i'm hearing is when i make my next recipe it needs to be a, a low sugar a healthy buttery and that's what that's what we need
1: and well and sure i look my the health the, the 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 budding health nut in me probably would appreciate that um but i think any anytime you're talking about food be it in the theme park or if you're suspending belief in the wizarding world you're already accepting that health like pro health is not necessarily going to be a thing yeah but there are some, like, again, the butterbeer soda does nothing for me on an enjoyment level, so then it's really just bad. Whereas I can enjoy the other, tr- like, the butterbeer soft serve, which there's, trust me, I know what I'm putting into my body there, but it has such a good quality to it that's like, all right, well, you know, whatever. I'll worry about that later. Um, yeah. You know what you should make? Butterbeer ice cubes. Oh. Because then you can start <laughs> dropping those into anything, right? Like, Diet Coke? Uh, boy, I'm just really leaning into the, uh. the. The past two episodes, listeners have heard, or three episodes, I've had this green juice that I've been drinking that's god awful. And now I'm talking about butterbeer ice cubes and Diet Coke. <laughs> it's all about balance. Yeah, I, I have not learned the balance part of that. I kind of just teeter totter from one end to the other there.
0: Diet Coke or poly juice potion?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> um i'll tell you here's a question for you bradley is what have you learned irrespective necessarily it doesn't have to be independent of but you know outside of purely the realm of all of the content you've created over the past year what have you learned about yourself now that we're a year plus into this new reality of social distancing and 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 pandemicing yeah it's a good question
2: um
1: I can start with me the content, and just more and more
2: generally. I think for the content, we might have even spoken about it last time. Um, but I definitely consider myself a bit of a perfectionist, um, and I think sometimes, if if I'm like trying to create something, then I would rather like keep remaking it to try and get it get it perfect. Um, I think what I've learned over the last year is that people respond a lot better to me showing like the human side and showing like fail cams when it doesn't go well or talking about you know how many times it actually took to to do it and I think I think that that piece of realism is is probably what is what's missing in a lot of those food videos or those five minute hacks it's like is it actually that easy or did you do this a thousand times and get one shot um so for me it's kind of yeah being a bit more more open about what doesn't go wrong and being more authentic is is definitely come through in terms of the content over the last year or so and then I think just more like generally over quarantine I think you know having more time to think and, and focus on where I'm putting my energy has been something that I've definitely kind of taken over the last year and I think it almost like took that external social isolation to be like why was I worrying about my commute to to work or why was I worrying about not getting a seat on the tube and why was I living life at like 100 miles an hour just to get paid to pay bills and then go back to work um so yeah it's kind of helped me focus on like what what are my actual goals over over the next few years and what was I devoting energy to in my life that I probably didn't need to for my own mental health but also wasn't really benefiting anyone.
0: I definitely think this has been a learning year for a lot of people and being able to figure out like the things you can cut out or that you were doing that just didn't actually add. Yeah. So Steven, do you have any other questions?
1: No. No, um, I mean, I'm sure I do, but, but we'll save for uh, part three.
0: Okay. Do we want to head into some random Harry Potter questions?
1: Yeah, I've got one, which is. Oh, nope. That train of thought just left my mind entirely. Boy. Um Nope, fine. I got one. In a world, I'll ask the one of, this is, I, I had a new one in my mind standing and I was really excited because it was one that we hadn't asked before. And I'm not sure what the hell just happened, but it just went in one ear and out the other. In a world where Warner Media does, in fact, create new Harry Potter content, which feels like they're going to, A, because just common sense. But the other thing I would point out, and this is somewhat relevant to our earlier conversation, is I've noticed a lot of new third-party vendor officially licensed Wizarding World product lines coming out. Yeah. And that's not something that you typically do with a franchise that's stale, like to the tune of like it's been a decade plus since new content. You know, it feels like we're getting ready for some new stuff because like Igloo Coolers, I saw some Wicker Basket Company like yesterday that has a new license. Like there's a lot of – anywho, point is, point is, uh, in a world where there's new Wizarding World content, what would you like to see? Good
2: question um yeah I think just on that merchandising point I think it is is super interesting part of me wonders why whether they're experimented experimented to see how engaged the fandom still are but without having to like plunge the cost themselves um but we'll, we'll see um but yeah I, I imagine at some point that there will be new content I think I think previously I've always kind of said like the moral orders would be a cool storyline to follow but I think that's that's too mainstream now so I think after definitely after like the last year, I think it would be super cool to see more of the spew house elf kind of dynamic delved into a bit more. Um, and I just think like you could do so much there that is around um, around how that situation even came to life, how um, like house elf rights, how that whole dynamic with the the wizarding world is 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 still upheld even once. Dobby and his other three elves are, are allowed to roam. Um, so that'd be cool to see, like a different angle of the story, and it's it's less focused on on the wizard, but actually, um, this whole, whole whole population that is is currently kind of a bit underground. That'd be awesome.
0: I would love to see what happens to creature.
2: <laughs> Indeed.
0: What has been your most challenging recipe thus far?
2: um that's a good question so i think the one that's definitely taken the most attempts was was miles bars back in the philosopher's stone um but the most challenging generally i think probably in the chamber of secrets trying to do the sandwich the hundred day sandwich was a, like just an architectural challenge with food, um, but again, that was just one where I was like, "Screw being a perfectionist! I'm just gonna gonna have fun and see what happens." Um, so that was quite fun. Haggis um, was probably something like challenging in the sense that i would n- never touched those ingredients before and it hadn't had never I never actually tasted real authentic haggis, so I was kind of going in a bit, going in blind and, and seeing what happened. Um, so
1: that that was a bit tough as well. Steven has Haggis opinions. Well, the, when, you, when, you, when you have it deep fried at a chip shop, it's not bad. I mean, as far as Haggis can go, because when you deep fry anything, it's not bad. You could deep fry plastic. I'd probably eat it. Um, oh, but yeah, no, we're not going down that path. It's too early in the day for me to be <laughs> like retching the rest of the day. I'm going to send you some I'll post. Our Thanks. Our post. <laughs> I've asked for chocolate. I've asked for the butterbeer beer. Noli, I've asked for really any of your creations, and you're gonna send me haggis. That's so yeah. kind. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Fun oh. fact, though.
2: Fun fact: While I was I was researching the recipe for, for the haggis, um, you're not actually allowed to ship authentic haggis to the US because apparently you have rules and laws against. It's like the transport of
1: livestock-related sheep, sheep,
2: yeah. sheep insides, um, so you can't get real haggis. It's all haggis imitation.
1: Yeah, I would imagine there's so I mean, beyond our general rules around transporting livestock, I, I would imagine it stems from like fears of spreading like disease and things yeah. like yeah, mad cow or salmonella or, you know, that sort of stuff. Huh, well.
2: So when you come to the UK, then we'll get you some hangers. <laughs>
1: Oh Yeah, that's thanks. Really can't wait for that.
0: There's going to be a lot of things to do once we can get to the UK. And then oh, once, well, once, I, get
1: once I get to the UK, you're going to catch me at my old favorite pub uh, in posh parts of South can, which I know, I know, look, there's a lot better parts of London, but that's where I lived. Therefore, that's where my heart is. And you're going to catch me there all day day. I'm going to start off with 7am uh, full brekkie and a, and a beer, watch the early premier league matches, get, Lunch and a pint, watch the afternoon matches. Then they switch over to rugby, which I still don't fully understand in the late afternoon, but I watch that anyway. Then I stumble across the street to my favorite kebab shop. I get the extra large mixed grill from the very nice Turkish people that run the kebab shop, and I have had a great day. That's all for I'm anyone do.
0: that wants to stalk Stephen. There is yeah. his day. <laughs> the, one.
1: the Zetland Arms it's on the corner of old Brompton and some side street. And I don't remember the side street, but it's, it's right there near the South Ken tube. Bosphorus kebab is the name of the shop. It's as literal, it's this hole in the wall. That's no wider than like, I don't even, I don't have a good point of reference. I'm not good with numbers. It's not very wide and it's just plastered with pictures of all these famous people from over the years that have been there. And it's, It's this like grandfather, father, son trio from Turkey. And it is so damn good. Oh, I miss it. I miss it so much. There's a Franco Manco right next to it. So if you're really hungry and you're really drunk, like I tend to be, you can get kebab, then get a little, a nice pizza pie. Oh, it's the best. There's a Ben's cookies right near the two. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Do
0: we want to head into creator shout outs?
1: My shout out goes to Bosphorus Kebab. That's my shout-out for the week. Um, I don't know if they're on social media, but for a better part of 2015, I gave the majority of my spending money to that lovely establishment. So that's who I you need to find week. them. Find them on Instagram. Um, no, that's not my shout-out for this week. <laughs> uh, Bradley, you know the deal. Who you got? Um, yes, we said Nick Cap, Practical Peculiarities already. Um,
2: I think we were talking about old creating magic podcast fans who, who start following me um paula is definitely one of my faves on um her tiktok videos are just hilarious they crack me up so much so um <laughs> definitely give her a follow um bonnie and Sunny on at muggle style um again those two crack me up so much um and it's just it's just lovely to see like that positivity shining through their their, their feed so um check them out and then probably slightly less like wizarding world but still food fan fiction Um, larissa who has started at eating gilmore so if anyone's a fan of of gilmore girls um she said she was inspired by the harry potter kitchen series and she is now watching all the episodes and creating recipes every time they mention food so i think we're just going to keep this ball rolling and we're going to have a, a whole universe of, of fan fiction. Food.
0: I really enjoy that because one of the scenes I always think of whenever I have lettuce on any sandwich is when Lorelai's like, "But there's lettuce juice on it."
2: <laughs> uh, so good, and and I, and I think again, like there, there's so many shows that we probably watched where we don't appreciate how much food there is. So
0: we just don't pay attention no, to
2: exa- it. Yeah,
0: like, we're just like, oh yeah, they're eating. That's a thing people do. <laughs>
2: It's time to bring
1: the food to the forefront.
0: And Stephen, who is your shout out?
1: Okay, so I've got three, I think, and maybe more will come up along the way. Two TikTokers who deserve all the love in the world, uh, both food related because of course, and both British because of course. Um, so, first goes to Dawn Farmer, who is this lovely young British woman from York who is trying all these different American snacks. And it's mainly fun for two reasons. A, the accent is great for Americans because things like gushers, just gushes. And it's just like, it just, you know, Dunkaroo, like the accent's great. Um, But then second, the faces she makes, because again, to our point earlier, and I kind of seeded this earlier, it's coming back to roost, is the American palate is a lot more artificial and sweeter and heavier on fat And so watching her try things like Cheez-Its, Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce, ranch, like ranch dressing, uh, yeah, it's great. It's her the faces she makes, top notch, top notch stuff. So shouts to Dawn Farmer. Second shout out goes to a person who I'd imagine a lot of people on TikTok know at this point, um, Lawrence, who is, I believe from the Manchester area up in Yorkshire, anywho, he is a man who is on a weight loss mission and he has lost like a hundred pounds in the past 30 weeks. And he's just a funny guy. And he posts all these food TikToks or and he's always like, dinner. And he's like, beetroot. And he always he's just fun and he's buoyant and he eats food in a way that I didn't know was possible. Like he'll pick up like a literal beetroot with his hand and just eat like three quarters of it in one bite. And it's madness. Um but it's fun to watch. Um, and then because this is, after all, a Harry Potter-inspired podcast, so I, figured I should have a Harry Potter shout-out. Um, my shout-out for today on Instagram is Peter Hilgers. That's Peter Hilgers Art. He's a tattoo artist and tattoo shop owner uh, in Germany, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the name of the town um, he has some really cool fandom inspired artwork all throughout his portfolio. But, you know, recently I see a Mando tat. That's really cool. A serious black. That's pretty damn authentic. Um, Alec McGinnis. He's got a Dobby one somewhere back there. I saw it really cool, really authentic. He's got a Palpatine one and I don't know who would want Palpatine in such realistic style tattooed on their body, kind of terrifying, but, um, really, really awesome artwork and come to think of it, I'm going to supposedly be in Germany later this year. I didn't fully think about that until now. Huh? Well, we'll see. Uh, Stay tuned on that front. I guess that's what we call a teaser in the business. Um, But those are my three shout outs for today, Danny. All
0: right. I just have one. It is Sarah Conradson and it's Sarah C-O-N-R-A-D-S-E-N. She is an illustrator, and her most recent post is an illustration of the Luna ceiling from the books. It's just really pretty, and I'm enjoying all her little illustrations and artwork.
1: Amazing! I okay, just heard a TikTok. Yourself. I just heard a TikTok come up. Ooh, don't you want somebody to love someone? Was that Danny? I
0: was I on. It the... was. It was a reel that was loaded from. Yep,
1: TikTok. I recognize that sound because all I do is spend <laughs> my time on TikTok. Um,
0: well, now the podcast now has a TikTok too.
1: Speaking of the Luna ceiling, seeing as you mentioned it, I will shout out for the 1000th time um, our good friend of the pod, Amy, aka weatherwings Wears, who made a delightful a Luna ceiling uh, massive pin um, a little while back that is vibrant and fun. And when you place them all next to each other, kind of arrayed on a table it almost looks like a gorgeous uh tiled floor um i think you kind of have to see it to understand it but if you go to her page she has a photo up somewhere of all of them next to each other and it's quite pretty so amy uh shouts to you that's all i got danny i got no more i promise
0: all right well bradley let everyone know where we can find you because you are also on the TikTok now
2: i have yes i ventured into the tiktok pond as well so um i am you can find me on bradley bakes on youtube at brad bakes on instagram and then i think my tiktok's bradley bakes as well some variation of brad or bradley and bakes um and then any of the recipes that you want to find like written versions of is on my blog at bradleybakes.co.uk where you can also nominate charities for the patronage fund yes go now i need
0: some charities
2: appreciate it.
0: thank you for coming back
2: no worries thanks for having me it's been awesome talking to you both i can't believe it's been a year since we last week so what let's get the crazy. next one in the diary goblet of fire we'll, we'll start chatting as well
1: please don't send me imitation haggis you or any of the <laughs> listeners i don't i don't need it i don't want it just just
2: no. I'm going to start a GoFundMe page so that we can get you
1: ready. Yeah, so this month's Patronus Fund is benefiting the Imitation Haggis project. Um, oh, good God. No, no. End the episode. We're done. We're done. We love Bradley, but we're done. <laughs>